So we start the book of Exodus with the birth of Moses. And when I was reading it and reading some commentaries, I remembered an old bumper sticker from when I was a kid. How many of you ever seen bumper stickers? You still see them around today that says, you know, Jesus saves, right? Well, there was a Jewish response to that. And it said, Jesus saves, but Moses invest. <laughs> and I always remembered that sticker. Some of you got it. It took a while. <laughs> Some of you all will get it later. You all will get it eventually. Jesus saves, but God, Moses invest, right? I'm getting a thumbs up in the back. I saw that. Thank you. Thumbs up, right? All right, hey, I didn't write this stuff. I just remember it. <laughs> but it's really interesting because how you see how God uses people in our lives to save us. And it was interesting because before Moses could save his people, the, the investment he made in, our Israel, in the Israelites, right? We have to remember God chose us to show the rest of the world that he is God. We didn't get to choose him, he chose us. Why he chose the smallest, the weakest, the best looking. Okay, we're trying to get one out of three, right? There you go, thank you. Right, to show the rest of the world that he is God. He didn't pick the strongest, he brought the smallest. And it showed that God is in control. But what's so interesting, when you see what goes on in Moses' life, before Moses can save us, he has to be saved. And six women are responsible for his salvation. For his life to exist See, when we went into Egypt, there was a pharaoh there who realized what God had done. And he allowed those 70 family members to have land and to live and to multiply. But a new pharaoh came about who didn't remember what happened. And he got fearful of the Israelites. He wondered if they were going to go against him when war broke out. You only have to think he must have not been the greatest of guys to begin with to think that, right? We don't know what the Israelites were thinking, but this is what he was thinking. So he enslaved them. And then he commanded the midwives that when a male child was born was to kill him. Something that went against what all midwives were brought about to be. What was the response of the midwife? To bring life into this world. And yet Pharaoh wanted him killed. And he put out a decree. Fortunately, Two midwife women 
that are listed and many others we know didn't follow the Pharaoh. And that's a good thing. I know sometimes we feel like we want to kill our kids, but that's not the right time to do it, right? And these midwives, instead of doing what the Pharaoh had commanded them to do, maybe they listened to that still, small voice. But they realized they weren't supposed to do it and defied the Pharaoh. And when they were brought before the Pharaoh and asked, why did you not do it? What did they say? Man, these women are popping those babies out so fast. We can't, by the time we get there, they're done already. Right? They couldn't even keep up with them. So they were able to sneak by. So the first two women to save Moses' life were the ones that would help bring him into this world. By not listening to man, but listening to God. Then we got to fast forward about three months. See, there's another woman in Moses' life called his mama. And she didn't want to listen to Pharaoh either. So she hid him, probably like many other Israelite mothers did. But after about three months, I guess they were worried that the gig was up. So she did something, though. She obeyed the Pharaoh. He said, put your child into the river to drown him. But like a good Jewish mother, she found that loophole. Now you know why lawyers are so good at Jewish lawyers are so good, right? If you need a lawyer, go for a Jewish lawyer. There's a re- we, know, we know how to find the loophole. Amen. And she built an ark, a boat, for this baby to be put in. She covered it. She had to be very handy. She must have had the internet or something, right? She made this apopias and made this boat that wouldn't sink. She could have had an architect. She could have hired somebody, but I don't think she did. I think she just created this. And he, she sent her daughter to put it in the Nile. And as it started floating down, Miriam, his sister, the fourth woman in his life, prepared something amazing happened. It just so happens the Pharaoh's daughter was bathing What chances are this? And this baby comes floating down. And she looked at the bats and said, Oh, a child is here. How could that happen? (laughs) And as she started seeing this 
Jewish child, and how do we know she, he was Jewish? Check the diaper. Right? And Miriam, some of y'all will get that one later, too. <laughs> y'all little, do y'all have your coffee this morning? You guys are a little slow here, guys. <laughs> we need to get some coffee in y'all. Right? And then, just by chance, Miriam runs up and says, Would you like me to get a, wet, a Jewish wet nurse for you? And the daughter of Pharaoh says yes. And she hires Moses' mom. Jesus saves, but Moses invests. Now you're getting it, right? To take care of him and to raise him. Pharaoh's daughter knew all along who Moses was, or what he was, I should say. She even named him drawn out of the water. Do you know the scripture goes on to tell us that she actually marries a man from the tribe of Judah. First Chronicles tells us that. So even though her father meant bad, she had the heart for our people. The fifth woman in Moses' life to save her. It's important that we see what's going on in his life. See, God has a plan, has a purpose, and he puts those people in our lives to save us as well, to bring us to understand who Messiah is. We need those midwives, and mothers and sisters to help guide us, to protect us, to look out over us. So many chances Moses could have died, but that wasn't God's plan, was it? It wasn't his plan to take him away. On the contrary, it was his plan to use him to save us and the world on behalf of that. Then we have Moses growing up. We know from the scripture that one day he's watching and sees an Egyptian beating an Israeli slave. And what does he do? That rage builds up in him. And he kills the Egyptian. But then fear sets in. And he flees from the land. We have a lot going on in these first six chapters of his life. He goes from being born to being married in six chapters. That's a quick life, right? But he comes across another person. This was a group of women that were trying to gather water, weren't they? And these men were giving him a hard time, and he, he then saves them, right? So now he saves the next woman in his life that eventually becomes his wife, Zipporah. And so we see here how God is using 
each situation to guide them. But Moses makes a mistake too. How many of y'all realize Moses is not perfect? Raise your hand. If you haven't, by the time you're in the end of this book, you will know that Moses was not perfect. But be glad that he's married. Some of y'all will get that one next too, right? Because his wife <laughs> is, right? <laughs> his wife watched out for him. God was ready to kill Moses because he forgot to obey. And Zipporah took things in her own hand and made sure that God would once again save Moses. And he put him in that place so that one day he can go back to Egypt to free his people. What a strong statement. Because when he goes back, you know, Moses even had to complain then too, didn't he? Moses did not like his job. How many of y'all realize that? Moses really didn't want to be picked. But it also goes to show us that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So that's why I never want to hear from someone, oh, I can't do that. You're right, you can't. But God can through you. And God wants to do it through you. And you have to let God do it through you. Moses came up with every excuse in the book. Oh, I'm slow of speech. What did God say? It's okay. I got your brother coming. He'll take care of it. First of all, did God already know all of your comments? Yeah, don't try to outsmart God. It ain't going to work. Right? Just listen to him. Obey his commandments. We see a beautiful picture being painted. You know, it's a little different when Yeshua comes in the picture, isn't it? When he comes in, he obeys his Father. Lord, let your will, not my will, be done. See, even when Yeshua was on the cross... Could have he gotten down off of it? Absolutely. He was God in the flesh. He could have commanded it and it was done, right? But he knew that the Heavenly Father's will had to be done. God saved him so we could be saved. And we see this beautiful picture being painted at the beginning of Exodus of our salvation. We start in bondage, enslaved to sin. How many of you realize we still have slavery today? Doesn't matter what color you are, if you're not saved by the Lord, you're enslaved to sin. And it controls every aspect of your life. Yes. 
You know, it's interesting. People will sit there and they say, I have to study the, the, the mysticism so I can understand and debate them. Because you might have to, and you know what the answer is? The answer is you don't need to know the lies to take care of it. You don't need to know what they're thinking to take care of the problem. You need to know the truth. Because the truth is what sets you free. The lies do not set you free. Lies keep you in bondage. Don't think you have to study all the things that that the world's learning. You don't have to study. You don't have to even know it. Because when they come after you, you're going to go back with the word of God. When Yeshua was confronted by the devil, after he had fasted, for 40 days and 40 nights. He was at his weakest point, wasn't he? And the devil came to him. He said, hey, Yeshua, come here. Got something for you. You want to buy a watch? No, 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 wrong guy. (laughs) What did he do? He tempted Yeshua. And Yeshua didn't have to come back with the world, what the world does and what the world learns. He came back with the word of God each and every time. And that's what saved him. Interestingly enough, right after that, women came and helped him. See, God has a plan. That's why God gave us the woman. Because as every man in this room who's married will say, I am the head of my house. And we'll say it with pride. And our wives are saying, (laughs) yeah, I'm giving you about 10 seconds to enjoy that, guys. And our wives are thinking to themselves, yeah, and I'm the neck that turns that head. God has brought us together as one. We need each other as a balance. That's what, you know, you know this old saying is behind every great man, there's a greater woman. I said greater woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not great woman, yeah. greater woman. Because yeah. they got to put up with us. Right. right? But God brought us together for a reason and for a purpose. God uses those womanly instincts, something that us men just don't get. I see some heads shaking. I see a lot of heads, mostly women's heads shaking right now. I think I'm going to get a lot of hands shakes from women going, good message, Rabbi. But it's important that we, what we see take place. How God has brought us together. He has a purpose and a plan. God uses the situations in our lives. How many times were you saved by God in your I know God saved my life. I was hit by a drunk driver, thrown out of a car that the the sunroof was closed and went out through the sunroof. 
landed on Highway 75, exit, back then it was Exit 13, Union City. The next thing to pull up was an 18-wheeler who blocked the highway. The next two cars to stop was a registered nurse and a paramedic who just got off duty. And obviously y'all know the answer. When my father finally saw me, they said my head was the size of a basketball. The doctors had told my parents, they walked in and they told my parents that if I made it through the night, I'd be in the hospital for a minimum of two months. I was out in two weeks. One day they came in, and this is not a joke, sitting there was a Baptist minister, a Catholic priest, and a rabbi. <laughs> I kid you not. It said it was not a joke. <laughs> and the doctors looked at my parents and said, don't you trust us? And without missing a beat, the rabbi said, we'll take it any way we can. <laughs> God had a purpose for me. I think part of it was to be here today. Because I didn't have to... See, I wasn't a believer back then. But God had a plan. He used people to save my life. So I want to encourage you as we start getting ready to read the book of Exodus. And I encourage you to read each week the Torah and Haftorah portion and the Red Hanashah to see how it all comes together and to see God's purpose. See, he's going to take a people that are enslaved and give him the biggest mikvah ever. Amen. One side of the river we're going to be enslaved. The other side we're going out free people. Amen. Washed away. No more sin. Now there to serve the ever living God. A God that we don't serve just on earth. But in heaven. You know tomorrow we're doing the memorial for Miss Helen. And you know what? We're, we're sad in our hearts that we miss her because, man, she made us all laugh. Amen. She has had a way of bringing light into a room. But I can tell you she's up there in heaven right now, just laughing and rejoicing, probably asking a couple questions, knowing her. <laughs> I'm waiting for that email to get down to us. But that's what it's about. Because see, God loved us so much. Not only did he give us Moses to make us who we are, he gave us his own son to give us that salvation, the eternal life to live with him. To be on, in heaven on streets of gold. 
That says something. And it all started with six women watching out for this little baby who grew up to be the man that God called him to be. So ladies, I encourage you, keep doing what you're doing. I know we don't understand it. Give me an amen. You missed it there, Bruce. Come on. (laughs) But God called us together so that we can lead as one. And that's what we see going on in this world today. These next couple weeks will be very trying times in our nation. But you know what? God is in control. In Israel, it's very trying times right now. Their government is in turmoil. But God is still in control. Satan's still going to try to tempt you. But just remember, God is in control. Listen to that still small voice. And men, listen to your wives. Thank you, Bruce. They're there to help us. To make us the person we're to be. Don't forget to give them that pat on the back. Because they definitely deserve it. You could have said amen, Bruce. I would have been probably better for you that one. <laughs> for those of you who didn't see it, Bruce, are patting our teeth on the back. <laughs> but God is showing us the great things he can do. We just need to pay attention, don't we? Amen. Why don't to bow your head and close your eyes? Abba, Father, we just come before you right now. And Lord, we know that you are here to save those who don't know you. Lord, we first have to open up our hearts to you. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to talk to those who are watching us online, maybe live or archived. Wherever you are around the world, God loves you. And he's trying to save you. If you've never experienced Yeshua into your heart. And you're ready to. All you need to do is say a simple prayer. If you're watching online. You can contact us on the information you see on the screen. And wherever you are around the world. We will contact you and pray with you that prayer of salvation. But if you're here in the congregation right now. And you're ready to say yes to him. To let him be that anchor that you need in your life. All you need to do is raise your hand and say a simple prayer. And God will start changing you just like he changed Moses and us. If that's you right now, all you need to do is raise your hand. We'll say a prayer and support with you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? All right, if everyone, please rise. I see that hand too. For those who raise their hand, maybe you couldn't raise your hand, but you're ready to say it for the first time. Guess what? You still have a chance to say it. 
Those of you who are believers, I want you to say it in support of them. If you repeat after me, Abba Father, Abba Father I have sinned against you. I ask Yeshua into my heart. Lord, I believe he died and rose again and is interceding for me. And because he lives today, I can live. Thank you, God, for sending your son. I ask this in his name. Amen. The scripture says we can't be afraid of the decision we just made. Yeshua tells us, how can I defend you before God in heaven if you can't defend me before man on earth? So the way we do that here is very simple. The two ladies who raise their hand and anyone else, all you need to do is a step forward, walk up, and just shake my hand. It's an outward sign saying, yes, I believe in him. Amen. If you all will come up now, please. Amen. Amen. Thank you. What's your name? Amanda. Amanda, thank you. God bless. What's your name? Lucille. Lucille. Amen. Amen. In heaven are rejoicing. God bless you both. See me afterwards. We have a little book for you. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. Amen.